Pastor. <laughs> Evening, everybody. Evening. All right. Ooh, what a crowd here tonight. So, nothing going on at home tonight? Is that one? Uh, now, this is, uh, this is going to be good tonight. It's going to be real good. So, uh, it's going to be kind of different. Uh, this is something I teach my staff once a year. And until my kids left home, I would give it to them once a year. It's the annual clean out your mind, get yourself thinking right sermon. We live in the last days, the greatest days of human history. Been on this planet about 5,000 years, and uh, for whatever reason, God has allowed us to be alive now. It's the last days. So uh, I sort of got off this morning on it. It was like 1948, it became a nation. Every generation is 100 years. So 100 years from 1948, 2048, back off seven years from the tribulation. And so and I have a lot of friends that I've met over the years. Uh, this is our 32nd year to travel. We do about 50 to 60 seminars a year. Got podcasts every week. So I know a lot of people. And so I've had some good friends that uh, I really respect. Uh, one of my friends in Carolina was on my board for a long time. He's one of my dear friends. But he and I do not agree theologically on some things. Uh, I got another good friend down in Melbourne, Florida, two-time Vietnam veteran, great guy. We've been to his home. He's been to our home. We love him. He's a great dad, great husband. Uh, but we also do not agree on everything theologically. And uh, They've gone through periods where they think, well, I think we're going to go through the tribulation. I said, that's not in your Bible. Yeah. And then my other buddy, who's just, we talked last week. No, we're going to go halfway through the tribulation. I said, that's not in your Bible. And he's much smarter than me, much smarter, two degrees in theology. He's got a Bible school in his own church. He's very smart. And so I have to watch when I say something. got to be, be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to wrath. So I said, no, no, it's, it's not in the Bible. So it's, so what I did, I realized my kids would be susceptible to uh, crazy theology. So I want to make sure they were grounded. We're here at the greatest time of human history. Do not get sidetracked with stupid theology. Guard your heart with all diligence, Fred, or this is your life. Watch who you listen to, who you feed on. And, uh, and that's why I love your pastor so much because he's very open. He's like a book. Every page is open. You don't have to guess what he's thinking. He's going to let you know. And so I like people like that. And so I can be myself when I'm around. Now, I'm always myself, but not completely. <laughs> because you have to guard yourself, because we cross a lot of denominational lines. We, we go to charismatic, word of faith. We go to Baptist. We go to Church of Christ, Assembly of God, Church of God. And we go to some crazy Methodists. And it's been great. So I have to remind myself, who am I with this weekend? Okay, I can't say that. And I can't say that. I need to say this a lot. And don't get in this. And so, because they'll ask you questions, you know. When you travel, you're like a traveling uh, counselor because they think they can open up to you. And so, you don't ever want to repeat anything that you heard. So, I'm trying to be very open. So, tonight is the, um, I've never done this publicly, but I'm going to share with you. I've shared with my staff. I've shared with my kids. Never have I shared anywhere else. But I think it's real important in the time we live in. And so, uh. These are, uh, these are really fancy notes, but uh, I would teach it every year. And finally, my board, 
we get together once a year, my board, two of my board members challenged me on it. Joe, you're just a positive person. You're just, you're just positive all the time. I said, well, there's a reason. I came with a book and I read the end. It ends real good. We win. And I know that tests and trials come to everybody. Everybody goes through the challenges of life. Nobody's immune. Uh, one of my great staff members just got out of the hospital yesterday. He was uh, so sharp, so smart. And his wife's uh, my CPA for our ministry, and they're just wonderful, godly people. And so he was coming to the office, and he reached on the kitchen counter at home and grabbed his vitamins he was taking. Well, he didn't realize, but he had laid his, his earphones down. Well, his vitamins were grabbed him, threw him in his mouth, and they swallowed him. Well, it was a big, chunky earphone. He got halfway down his throat, and it stuck. And he's, he didn't realize what it was. He just realized, where's my earphone? Like, oh, my goodness, I've swallowed my earphone. And he, th he said, honey, I need to go to the hospital. And she drove him right then. And so the guy, the man said, what is it? Well, I, I swallowed my earpiece. Like, what? And said they couldn't see it. And said they took x-rays. Like, oh, man, we got to get that out. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so... Well, we'll go in there and we'll get it. Well, it was a four-hour surgery. It was lodged. And so four hours later, and she's gone, you got to pray. The mic's in surgery. It's like, what? And we swallowed his earphone. He's like, what? <laughs> well, it's a long story, but we need to pray. And so four hours later, they finally got it out. Now, they had to cut a few things and slice a few things. And you don't want to go into that detail. But anyhow, they let him go home yesterday. So he's home. He's not saying anything, but he's home. He's not singing much, but he's home, and uh, it's going to get better. So bad things happen to good people every day. You won't see them coming, you know. It's not like, you know, the devil says, hey, I'm coming tomorrow at 2 o'clock, get ready. The devil never warns you. And so stupid things happen, you realize, well, it doesn't matter what's going on. God's already made a way out. There's a way of escape. There's a way out of this mess. Whether you made it or somebody has put it on you, there's always a way out. So I've always believed that. I believe I was destined to be alive in the last days. There's always a way to get things going on. So I want to focus on what I'm supposed to do, not what somebody else is doing. So you got to watch that you don't feed on the news. Now, I read a newspaper every day, and I watch news about 30 minutes every day, just a little bit, just kind of get the overview of what's going on. But I don't feed on it because, you know, news is on 24 hours a day, seven days a week on seven different channels. And so hell's happening everywhere. And so... I used to, when I was on a church staff, I would be stunned how many of our church staff, spirit-filled Holy Ghost church staff members would come into that office in the morning, 3,000-member church. Did you see the news this morning? No. You know what's going on in Zimbabwe? I don't know where Zimbabwe is. Is that in Arkansas? I don't know where that is. I don't care. I'm not responsible for Zimbabwe. You know what's going on in Afghanistan? Never been there either. Don't think I'm going to go. No, I don't think about Afghanistan. Well, you don't, you don't pray for the people there? No, I got enough people I'm praying for right now. I got a big family, a ton of kids, some in-laws. I got a lot of people I'm praying for, but I'm not praying for Zimbabwe. Now, if God tells me I will, then somebody ought to be praying for them, but not me. That's not, I'm not praying for the world. You know, when we pray, I love pastor because we go out and eat. He prays like me, prays a short prayer. God bless his food, everybody in Jesus' name, amen. I, I'm not praying for missionaries in China. I'm praying for my food. Lord, bless this food. I'm about to eat it. I don't know who's cooked it or what they've touched. Bless it in my body. And so I'm doing it not to be religious. I'm doing it to sanctify what's about to go into me because I need it to come out in, in good measure. 
uh, for years when I would cover this, finally my, two of my staffers said, Joe, you got that in print somewhere? Because they were challenging me. I said, well, I know, but I can put it in print. I've studied it my whole life. I can get it in print. So I printed it up for my board members. I said, why do you believe this? Because it's in the Bible. This is what I believe. And so that's what I'm giving you tonight. You're the first public people to ever hear this. So Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. This is all from the New Living Translation or the New King James. So probably most of the nice New King James. It says this, Titus 2, 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. There's a lot of words there I want to focus on too. First sentence, uh, God, the salvation that has appeared to all men. Salvation has appeared to all men. Salvation has appeared to all men. Now, I got a bunch of people, and they get into the Calvinism, versus Arminianism. I had a great friend who's still a friend, but it's not as close as we used to be. Joe, you're a Calvinist. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. You're not an Armenian. No, I'm not an Armenian either. And I'm not either one. I'm a Christian. I'm a spiritual Christian. I'm not a Calvinist, not an Armenian. You know, Calvinists believe once saved, always saved. You can't get unsaved. You know, Armenians, you can get saved four, four or five times a day, six times a week, eight times an hour. And so they just make sure you say when the trumpet sounds. <laughs> and, I, and it's neither one's biblical. People got off years ago, and some people still follow. And so he says this, Jesus has appeared, and we're looking for his glorious appearing. He came, and he's coming back. He came to save mankind, and he's coming back. There are 500 scriptures in the Bible uh, about Jesus coming back in the end times, whatever. There's 300 about the suffering Jesus coming. 500 about the glorious King of kings, the Lord of lords. 300 about the suffering. Most people skipped over the suffering part. Jesus came to give us life that he might buy us back. Jesus never sinned, ever. They crucified a sinless man. A sinless man died for me. I've sinned. He never sinned. So it's my faith in what he did, not what I did. It's my faith in a sinless Christ who died on the cross, went to for three days, came out of the grave, walked around for 40 days, and went to heaven. And he's heaven right now praying for me. So I have a great, great God in heaven who loves me and he's praying for me. He's in a human body. He's got nail prints in his hand and his feet. And he's praying for me all the time. So I want to kind of go into this. Um, just bear with me. This is gonna, it's going to get interesting. Uh, this is where I, I call this all men. Because my friends would argue, well, not everybody's going to be saved. Some will be saved. No, everybody. Jesus died for everybody. So listen to this. First Timothy chapter 2. You don't have to write the scriptures down. You can go to my website and download all this for free. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all in authority. And when I pray, I pray for everybody in authority, not the ones I voted for. Mostly I pray for the ones I didn't vote for because I don't like them. But I don't want to cuss them or say bad things about them because God's going to judge me. He told me to pray for all those in authority, not the ones that I like, not the ones that I voted for. I'm to pray for all people in authority. 
And Christians have done this for generations when they were ruled over by ruthless kings and Nero's ruling over. I'm going to pray for all those in authority. And look, it's interesting. And said, and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godless and honesty. 1 John 2, verse 2. And he himself, Jesus, is the propitiation of our sins, and not only not only ours only, but for the whole world. Jesus died for the whole world, not for some. Well, some are chosen. No, nobody's chosen. You choose to be chosen. Salvation is for everybody, all people, everywhere. There's nobody to mean they can't get saved. God wants everybody to be saved. The meanest person you ever met, God wants them to be born again. God wants them in heaven. So there's no people being cut out. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts 2, 17. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not some flesh, not special flesh, not Christian flesh, all flesh. God's trying to save everybody, get everybody spirit filled, get everybody in the local church. That's God's plan. And he's working it really good right now. You may not believe that to listen to the news, but he's working it really good. Romans 10, verse 9 through 12. I'll just go on verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord over all who is rich for all who, for all who call upon him. There's no Jew or Greek anymore. There's just us. Jesus died for the Jew. He died for the Greek. He died for everybody. Jesus died for everybody. Jesus wants everybody to be saved. Oh, that was so good. Now, let's do the whole world in just a second. John 3, 16, you know all this. For God so loved the world. Not just special people, not nice people. For God so loved the world, they were going to hell on purpose, messed up in sin, stabbing, killing, fornicating, getting drunk, snorting dope. Jesus died for all of them. The whole world. Whoa. First John 2, 2, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins and also for the whole world. But there's a lifestyle to be lived. Now, here's where it gets kind of tricky. Okay, now, where's the, is, this, is this a trick? No, it's just scripture. 2 Corinthians 6, 4. 2 Corinthians 6, 4. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulation, in needs, and in distress. Where are we going to be? We're going to be in tribulation. We're going to have needs. We're going to be in distress. Who's he talking about? Christians. What's going to happen? You're going to be in tribulation. You're going to have needs. You're going to be in distress. Who's he talking to? Christians. You're going to be in tribulation. You're going to have needs. You're going to be in distress. Hell's coming. Hell's coming. And I've had family members go, Brother John, why did this happen? Well, we live on an alien planet. Satan is the temporary God, little g God of planet Earth. That's why prisons are full, hospitals are full, orphanages are full. Hell's in charge. God's not allowed on this planet unless a Christian asks him. Eight times in the New Testament, Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Ask that you show about me made full. God's not allowed down here. He gave this planet to Adam. Adam gave it to the devil. That's why newspapers are full of news and news channels are full of news. Why? Hell's in charge. Don't ever say, why's this happening? Hell's in charge. Hell's in charge of earth. Democrats, Republicans, independents, every country you know, hell's in charge. Where's he not in charge? Where Christians take a stand. Where's he, where, if you go to a nation that doesn't preach the gospel, you better take two guys and a couple of M16s. And I've been overseas in places that I want to go home now. <laughs> the brochure was nice, but I want to go home now. And I've been to Israel three times. I love Israel. I love it. Everybody in Israel carries a weapon. Everybody. Uh, you go in the military when you turn 18, male and female, you serve three years. Everybody serves three years. 
When they get out, they give you a year off. Go anywhere in the world, they're gonna pay you for your vacation. You get a year to just do whatever you want to and you come back. But you stay in the reserve until you're 55. But when you're off duty, you carry your weapon with you every day when you're off duty. So you go to Israel and go to, go to a mall, go to McDonald's, you're sitting there and, and there's a couple of look like just teenage groups sitting there in this, you know, little tank top shirts and flip flops, but they got an Uzi over the shoulder and two cl clips of ammo across their belt. Everybody carries their weapon in Israel. There's guns everywhere. Everywhere there's guns. And they're the safest nation on the face of the planet. I've been there three times. The guy always comes up, and oh, whoever the tour guide is, guess how many banks have been robbed the last two weeks since you've been in Israel? None. How many holdups? None. How many robberies? None. No, only an idiot would steal something in Israel because we shoot you. You know, the house that got blown up the other night, there were a bunch of terrorists, and the Israelis have made a bomb. They can just go in between houses and just blow up one house. Don't touch the other ones on either side. Like, they'll kill you. They're the size of Rhode Island, and they're trying to survive, and they've gotten very good at it. And so the first time I went, the Murrah building had been blown up in Oklahoma City, and everybody's making a big thing. Of course, we plant a lot of tombstones to honor the dead. And so... Israelis aren't big on that. And that's where are you from? I said, Oklahoma. I said, oh, Murrillville. I said, yeah, it's another city. Said, yeah, what'd y'all do? I, said, I don't know. I didn't do nothing. Well, what did the government do? Well, they planted a lot of tombstones to honor the dead. Well, you know, we've had a, a restaurant blown up down the road. We're going to pass here in a little bit. That was blown up last week. We don't build no memorial to terrorists. We cleaned it up, built the restaurant back. And there's people eating there today. We don't build memorials to terrorists. We build memorials to people that are here, that have saved us and defend us and fight for us. And so there's one group of people that's planning that realize who you're against, everybody. Who likes you? Nobody. Does that bother you? Nope. <laughs> Doesn't bother us a bit. Bother you? I thought, whoa, that's deep. That's deep. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. See, sing the invisible, therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing day by day. What's happening? Well, I'm getting older. I'm getting older. And people try to remind, how old are you? Well, I'm 72. That's kind of old, isn't it? No. Not if you're 82. <laughs> That's downright young. And I said, my family lived to be in their 90s. Had one aunt lived, uh, well, she lived to be 103 in Topeka, Kansas. She finally passed away, but... My family lives forever. We just don't die early. Now, there's not many of us in church, but we're just too mean to die. We're just meaner than it's not. And McGee's just don't die. And so I knew I was going to be around after my first while passed away. That's why I got remarried. Hey, I don't, I don't wake up by myself every day. I don't wake up next to somebody. I think I could sit across the breakfast table and drink coffee with somebody. I think I like to hug and kiss somebody. I think I like get to fight with somebody and make up. I miss that. And so I got remarried, and it shocked a lot of people. You getting remarried? I said, yeah. How old are you? 67. How old? 67. You're getting remarried? Yeah. Well, why? Well, I just explained it to you. <laughs> well, that's deep. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore, when they came together, they kept asking Jesus, Lord, will you, will you this time restore the kingdom of Israel or to Israel? He said, well, no, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He said, I don't know anything i got to ask the Father. Only he knows. Only my Father knows. 
1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, this is not the second coming. And a lot of people want to argue this, but it's just in the Bible. So I'll go to this next scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air. It's in the second coming. On the second coming, his feet touched down on the mountain in Israel. This is not the second coming. This is the rapture of the church. He's come to get the church. And then there are seven years of Jewish history. Daniel wrote about it, told about it. 490 years, Jewish time left. 483 is passed, and then they all got scattered to the four corners of the earth. What happened? Well, there's seven years of Jewish time left to be fulfilled. Well, I'm not in Jewish time. I'm in Gentile time. I'm in the church age. But there'll come a day when the church age will stop. We'll go, we go to heaven. Jewish time kicks back in. God's still going to deal with his people. Seven years of Jewish times left. I'm not a Jew. God bless him. I pray for him every day. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Christian. I'm going home, the trumpet sounds. I don't worry about what's going to happen, the Antichrist, whatever. I'm not going to be here. And I've had people, I've had board members make fun of, well, you're going to be here. No, I'm not. You can stay, stick around, tell me about it when you get to heaven. But I, I'm going to heaven to eat dinner. Going to saddle a horse, come back with Jesus. It's in the book. It's, a re, it's in the book. You've got to read the book. And so I've always believed that. Oh, it's getting quiet. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What I knew about Jesus coming back? Nobody's going to be looking for him. It's going to be a surprise. Nobody's going to, well, I know when he's coming back. No, you don't. Nobody knows. Next verse, Matthew 25, 13. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Nobody's going to know the day or the hour. God didn't lie. Nobody's going to know the day or the hour. I think I can know the times. I think it's getting close. I can see the seasons. It's rumbling out there. Church's greatest hour, but the world's going through a mess. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes. Jesus told about it. Not to me, but to the world. So you got to know who you are in him, in whom, and in Christ. Or you're going to be scared senseless. Oh, I hope nothing happened to me. Every time something bad happens, my phone lights up because I'm the only Christian in my family. And I'm a preacher and I'm a Pentecostal preacher. And they'll light the phone. Brother Joe, it's always Brother Joe when hell's land. Brother Joe, what do you think's happening? Well, somebody went crazy and blew something up. You think it's going to happen? No, it's not going to happen. It's not yet. Getting close, though. Getting close. <laughs> Romans 13, verse 11. Romans 13, 11. And do this during the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What's that? Well, it's getting close. God told us. Well, that's a couple thousand years ago. We go, well, it's getting close. Well, that's 2,000 years ago. Yeah, but it's getting close. Well, how close is close? Well, it's close. Well, that's 2,000 years. Yeah, but it's getting closer. <laughs> First John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Don't let him surprise you not be living right. Now, I teach this to my kids every year. Every year, my stuff gets it every year. You better keep your stuff together, people, because the clock's ticking. It's the greatest time of history to be alive, but don't go stupid. 
Don't let the devil, devil drag you up some down some crazy path. Stay in church. Stay in prayer. Love your family. Mow your grass. Wash your dishes. Do your homework. You know, anyhow, be good to your neighbor. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear to build an ark. What's happening? The end's coming. What end? Rain. What's rain? We've never seen rain. It never rained before. What are you building? A boat? What's a boat? Well, it floats when the rain comes. What rain? We've never been rain. We don't know what rain is. What's a boat? There's never been a boat. That's all a big boat, whatever it is. And so they made fun of him for 120 years. They mocked him every day. All of a sudden, one day, a bunch of animals showed up. Man, where did all these animals come from? Well, they're getting in the boat. People were there. They saw it. People were there and saw it. They're getting in the boat. Why? Wow, rain's coming. What? Well, I don't even know what rain is. It's never rained. And finally, you know, I got it, and he shut the door, and it got cloudy. And they made a movie about it. I'm about halfway through. Hang with me. Many things are going to happen to distract you at his coming. God warned us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such people stay away. What does it say? Stay away from idiots. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them water. If they're in prison, visit them. But don't hang with them. Don't have them at the house. Don't hang with idiots because they're going to hell on purpose. You're not going to hell. You're trying to save the lost. If they won't list you, the disciples, they went into the house two by two. If you go out in the house, you speak peace to it. If it slaps you in the face, shake the dust off, go outside and go to the next house. Don't argue with them. They don't want, they're not ready. Only God can get somebody saved. Your job is just to deliver the message. You can't get it. You can't, I can't save anybody. I just deliver the message. God does the saving. It's a really neat deal. He's got it worked out. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy 4, 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. People, they won't, they won't, I don't need church. I don't need no Bible. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm okay. No, you're not. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth. Be a turn, they'll be turned aside to fables. He listens to idiots. Who are you? What makes you an idiot? Idiots hang together. So don't do that. Matthew 24, verse 3. Matthew 24, 3. And they asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now they're listening. Jesus talking about it. He's, they can't get it because they don't understand it. But Jesus talking about it. He says, well, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will deceive many. You'll hear about wars and rumors of wars. Hmm. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I'd have to pound my kids every this sermon. I try to do it at a really nice time. We try to do it after spring break, you know, before summer hit. Hey, guys, we're in the last days. We are blessed to live here. It's the greatest time of human history. It's the greatest time of the church, but the world's going stupid. Don't go with them. World's going stupid and don't go with them. Oh. First Timothy chapter four, verse one. 
Now the Spirit explicitly says, in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Did they have it? Mm-hmm. Literally, they departed from it. Well, they, they go to church? Yeah. Well, they don't go to church anymore. They don't need it. I don't need church. I don't need God. I'm fine. God warned about it. He wrote about it. Then last time, they'll depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. Well, listen, listen to a devil. Where's the devil at? He's in a human. God moves through humans. The devil moves through humans. They look normal, but they're not. You got to take heed who you're hanging around. Whoa, that's scary. Let's get to something positive. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Knowing this, in the last days, scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they are from the beginning of creation. I've heard about Jesus coming my whole life, and he's not here. Man, my grandfather heard about him, my daddy heard about him, and he's not going to happen. That's not happening. They just made it up. It's a made-up story. No, it's very real, and it's getting real close. And you don't be outside the fence. You want to be inside the fence. Oh. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 26. And it will be as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the last days. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Well, that's not a good scripture. Likewise, it would be like it was in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be the day the Son of Man is revealed. What's happening? Hell's coming, but Jesus is coming first. Hell's coming, but the reason hell can't show up right now is because the church is still here. People say, I know who the Antichrist is. Nobody knows who he is. The church is still here. He cannot manifest as long as I'm here. So if you're worried, call the house. If I'm here, you're fine. <laughs> the Antichrist can't show up until I go to heaven. Oh, that was deep. Now we're here at the end, right at the end, book of Jude, great book. Uh, jump into chapter 5, doesn't have any chapters, just Jude 5, verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Who did he destroy? Those he saved. Who did God destroy? Those he saved. Well, who did God destroy? Those he saved. Well, Why? For they did not believe. And angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their abode, he has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, immorality and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, are these dreamers who defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries, don't speak, speak bad about your mayor or your governor or your president or your congressman. Don't speak bad about those authorities. We're the church. We're to pray for those in authority. I, people laugh every time I say, I pray for my, my congressman, my senator, my president every day. Every day I pray for President Biden. God bless him. Surround him with divine favor. Don't let him die. Keep that old man alive. I don't want that woman in there. Keep him alive. I've been trying to be funny. I've been very serious. You think he's bad, she's worse. Keep him in there. Mm. Yet Michael the archangel, contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring uh, a reveling accusation against him. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. Even Michael, dealing with the angels, going after Moses' body. 
the Lord rebuke you. I don't rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. He puts you in your place. I don't put you in your place. But those, these speak evil of whatever they do not know. Whatever they don't know naturally is black brute beast, the things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them. For they've gone the way of Cain. They've run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit. And they've perished for the rebellion of Korah. Verse 16. These are grumblers and complainers walking according to their own lust. And their mouth has great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which are spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told us that there would be mockers in the last day who'd walk according to their own ungodly lusts, these sensual people who caused the visions, not having the spirit. But it ends real good. This is it. This is the end of the sermon. Verse 20 of Jude. But you, beloved, all this hell's going to happen. Jude's all about nasty things and crazy people and bad things. But you, beloved, he ends with this. But you, beloved, build up yourselves in your most holy faith. What's important? Your faith. What's that? Is that important? No, but your faith's important. Without faith, you cannot please God. Without faith, you cannot defeat the devil. It takes faith. Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. Get your Bible open and read a verse. It was just one verse a day. That's more than most people are doing. Read a proverb a day. Read a psalm a day. You don't have to go deep. You don't need a degree in theology. Just read your Bible. Because God now has something he can bring to your remembrance. But if you've not read it, God doesn't cheat. He will not remind you of something you've never read. God doesn't cheat. He will not remind you of something you've never read or listened to. Now people say, well, I can't read really good. Well, get it on cassette. They got it on. They got a little thing now that's not this big. The whole Bible's on a little thumb drive. Stick in your phone and listen to it. Read, listen to Scripture on the way to work. I didn't understand. Well, let's get to tomorrow. It'll soak in. You got to marinate some meat. Some meat's thicker than others. You got to marinate it. You got a marinating brain. But you, beloved, build up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. What am I going to do? Need to pray in tongues. What's that? What's what Pentecostals do? The Bible says, when I pray in the Spirit, I pray according to the absolute perfect will of God. Do I know what I'm praying? I don't have a clue. It doesn't matter. I'm praying the absolute perfect will of God. For who? For me. Shandai Hikimo, who stole a Mahonda. You can laugh all you want. I pray in the Holy Ghost every day. First thing I do when I get, with all the morning breath I can muster, I, I wake up praying in tongues. What are you doing? I'm praying the perfect will of God today. It's going to be a great day. What's going to happen? I don't know and I don't care, but God's going to go with me where I was going. He's ahead of me, waiting on me to get there. So I'm dealing with stuff every day. I've got a, I had a flight that got messed up, so I'm not leaving here till like 7.30 tomorrow night. So... I don't leave till 7.30. What happened? Well, they messed up the flight thing. Well, praise God. What's that mean? Well, I get to sleep in in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to find something positive in this. I'm going to eat me a calm breakfast. Whoa. <laughs> You're getting it. Build up yourself in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself in the love of God. Walk in love, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment that defiled the flesh. I'm here to save the lost. People that have never been saved, people that were saved that are wandering away, I'm here to help them and love on them and encourage them and talk to them. Hey, you been to church lately? No, why not? Well, I don't like it. Well, find you one you like. There's a lot of them out there. Find you one you can just slip right into. Get on the back row. Leave before they start praying. It'll be all right. You get enough scripture in you. God got something. He'll, he'll work with whatever you get. You know, Peter prayed the shortest prayer in the New Testament Bible. Hello. Hello. He was drowning. That's all he prayed. 
Hello, <laughs> and Jesus answered his prayer. What was long prayer? No, hello. <laughs> First, he was walking on the water, and he got to look at the storm instead of looking at Jesus. And he went down. Hello. <laughs> And the first thing Jesus said when he got him out of the water, oh, ye of little faith. The first thing God did was scold him. You doofus, what's the matter with you? Keep your eyes on what's important. Quit looking at the stupid stuff. That's my translation. <laughs> now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless for the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And the last scripture well, I'll give you two. Revelation 22, 12. She said, and behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Who's he going to reward? Those that have been working for him. Not just hanging out. Well, you know, I'm working for Jesus. I got a full-time job. Whether I'm in the ministry or not, I'm working for Jesus. Being a blessed to everybody I meet. The grocery store, the drug store, on the street, on the highway when people pull in front of me. God bless you. God bless you. Angel, when I married Angel, bless her heart, she'd get mad every second. Angel used that horn a lot. And I just came out of my seat because I, I don't drive in town because she doesn't like it because I don't drive fast enough. I drive real slow. I'm in the right lane driving slow. I'm not in any hurry anywhere. And so, first time she's doing that horn, I said, what did you just do? Well, they just kept going, well, wave at them. Don't honk your horn. You know, I had a buddy of mine when I was working as a lab technician, great guy, married to a great gal. He honked his horn too much. So we're go he was following me, and we're going to visit some friends, and we're in this two-lane neighborhood. So a guy pulled out in front of him, and he sat on his horn. And I'm in front of him, and I saw this guy get out of his car, walk slowly back to him. He had his window down. Recent pulled my buddy Mike out of the car and beat the dog out of him. Broke his nose, busted his bone in his, and just beat it. Got back in his car and he left. And I said, listen, don't honk your horn. Don't honk your horn. Take the horn out. Diffuse it. Cut the wires. You don't need to honk at anybody. There's idiots out there. There's people with guns. People that are crazy. Don't honk your horn. You know who you're honking at. Yeah, I'm going to help. You don't help anybody. Don't honk your horn. Just slow down and wave at him. God bless you. Go with God. <laughs> I help somebody. I save somebody's life. Don't honk that horn. That's the most worthless thing they ever put on a car. Any of my rewards are with me to give to everybody going to his work. And the last scripture is my favorite, Proverbs 24, 16. The righteous fall seven times a day, but they get back up. People ask me, they say, you think you're perfect? No, I know I'm not perfect. I sin every day. What? Yeah, I sin every day. You try to? Oh, no, I try not to. Now, I'm better. I'm better this year than I was last year. And I was better last year than I was the year before. I'm growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. I'm not there yet. Most of the righteous, I still fall and scoop dirt in my lower lip. What do you do? I jump up, spit the dirt out, repent, get my hand back on the plow, and start moving again. I don't sit there and feel sorry for it. Well, I just not had a good week, and it's not been a good day. Shut your face up. Shut your face up and get back to work. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. God does not move when you feel sorry. Well, if I cry long enough, God will move. God's not moved by tears. God's only moved by faith. And faith speaks. So if you've got alligators up your armpit, as we say in Florida. Get that mouth open and start thanking God. God will show up where he gets thanked. God shows up where he gets thanked. God doesn't show up when you're in hell. 
Well, if I can hurt better, I've got to show up. No, he doesn't. God doesn't feel sorry for anybody. God shows up or he gets thanked. So you need to start thanking God a lot. Father, I want to thank you. I'm not sure what for right now, but I, I'll figure something out in a minute. But I want to thank you. You're good. Your mercy endures forever. You order my steps, direct my paths. You, you surround me with divine favor. People like me don't even know why. I just want to thank you. And once you start, it'll start rolling out of you. You realize, well, I've got a lot to thank for. I've got a lot to be thankful. Yes, you do. But if you shut that mouth long enough, you think, well, thank God for what? Well, you're on the deep end, son. That's not a good place to be. So in closing tonight, I want us to stand up. I'm going to close real simple. Do a little confession. Uh, Ain't and I do this every night, every morning. And so with all the morning breath we can muster, I want you to say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It sets me free, and it keeps me free. According to your word, I ask you, teach me and my family to fear you. Surround me and my family with divine favor. Bring to me and my family godly friends. I count it as done in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you just gave God permission to work. Angels laid down their magazines. They just got up to watch over the spoken word. Angels watch over the spoken word of God. Angels, so many you cannot count them. They're innumerable. You can't count them. There's so many angels. There's so many angels, but they won't move except they watch over the word spoken out of your mouth, the God's word that comes out of your mouth. Not blankety blank, blankety blank, honk, honk, honk. No, God watches over his word coming out of your mouth. So, God, I'm just blessed, highly favored. I think angels just saved me right there. That guy just about cut me off. But I just, God bless him and save him. Hope I want him to live a long life. Don't cut his life short. He's an idiot. And God helps idiots. God helps the lost. God loves everybody. So let this be a good year where we turn, turn the corner and go the right direction. Amen. Amen. By your heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Father, we commit this year and the rest of our life in your hands. We say, Father, thank you for letting us be alive in the greatest days of human history. So, Father, put us in the middle of your will. In Jesus' name, when everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Pastor. Amen.